Amen. We want to welcome you today to Prince George Pentecostal Church. Good to see everybody here and having good fellowship. Amen. We're glad you chose to be with us here today. If you're a guest for the first time, there is a little kind of a friendship card in that chair in front of you. We'd love for you to take a moment and just fill out that basic information. You can drop it in the offering box in the back. And uh, we do, uh, are, we are trying to basically work out our new systems in place. So we want to make sure that we are in contact with you. And if you need to get a hold of us, you can call us at the church. You can email us. But if you have need, something happening in your life, and just want prayer or encouragement, give us a call, contact us, and we're here to serve you. So we're glad you chose to worship with us here today. Uh, Tiffany is away, Pastor Tiffany, because our camp is beginning this week, our kids' camp. And so we want to pray a blessing over the kids and uh, that they're going to have a great time and experience the, the love of Jesus in a profound way. And camp is always an awesome time together. So what we want to do at this time, though, I'm going to ask Miranda to come and join me. And uh, a lot of you know that Miranda's been serving as our kids' church coordinator, been doing a nice job. And uh, the neat thing is, is that she actually had a prior uh, connection with Pastor Ralph. And so they weren't attending here, of course, and we needed a bed and breakfast, or a, an Airbnb, I should say. Breakfast wasn't served, was it? They were on their own for that. But an Airbnb for when uh, Ralph and Carrie came to serve as interim, and lo and behold, uh, Pastor Ralph knew Miranda from before because she attended uh, some of Bible college and was in his class. And we were just getting back into uh, live gatherings and people were kind of skittish to get involved and we were just trying to figure things out. So uh, Miranda was gracious enough to come on part-time staff a few hours a week and help us with our kids' church and been doing a nice job. Uh, she also has other jobs. You're an ECE teacher and uh, both her and her husband are very busy people. And so um, she is, uh, is stepping down as our kids' church teacher because she wants to be able to enjoy the services. And after, you have two jobs, don't you, besides this one? And your husband works for the city. So by the time they get here Sunday, they kind of want to be refreshed. And we understand that, and we can appreciate that. Uh, I will say that Samantha, who is our uh, summer intern, put your hand up, Samantha, she's going to be taking the lead for a kids' church during the summer, so we will still have kids' church in place. So thank you for that, because there's, there's big shoes to fill, because Miranda has just done a wonderful job. So we want to say thank you to her, and show our love and appreciation. So this is just a little something for you, to show our appreciation for all that you've done over the last several months. Can you just give Miranda a big thank you, and... Thank you so much. You. Awesome. Appreciate that. So thank you, Miranda. We appreciate you and Keenan. And at this time, we want to dismiss the kids. So this will be Miranda's last Sunday uh, leading. And then after that, uh, the baton will be passed for Sam. So Miranda, and have a great morning. And kids, have a great morning. And off they go to have a great time together. Amen. So kids camp is this week, be praying, blessing for our kids, and then youth camp is the following week, and uh, we just are expecting awesome things to happen. If you have your Bibles, take them if you will, otherwise if you have your phone app or you can look at the big screen in front of you. But we are continuing our series on power to change. Hard to believe we're already midway through the summer, isn't it? 
And uh, the weather here, we're just learning the weather patterns here at Prince George, here in the Caribou region. Having moved up just about a month and a half ago from Surrey, hard to believe it's been just a month and a half. Feels like we've been here longer. We're already settling in and it's feeling like home. And we are really enjoying getting to know you wonderful people, our new church family. And so we look forward to continue to deepen those relationships and to expand as we grow as a church. We want to reach out to new people and uh, build those relationships as well. Summertime, people are coming and going, aren't they? Some are on vacation. They're here one week, they're gone the next because everybody needs to take advantage of the sunshine while we have it. We understand that. But we're glad that you're here. And, uh, you know, next Sunday, it could be a little bit different complexion. You're never sure who's going to show up during the summer as uh, people are moving around a lot. But thank you for being here. And we expect God to, to speak to our hearts today. So power to change. We're looking at Acts chapter 13. And we've been looking at lives transform by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God always has a way to do the right thing at the right time. And today, we're going to look at a life that was maybe transformed not for the better, but for the worse. We're going to talk a little bit about what it's like to fall out of God's graces and to come into conflict with Him. And we never want to be in that position, do we? We always want to be in the center of his will. But we're going to take a look at Simon the sorcerer this morning. So, Acts chapter 13, beginning with verse 4, this is what it says. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue to the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. So we had, basically we had Paul, and we had Barnabas, and we had John Mark. So uh, when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul, Sergius Pallas, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God, but Elamus the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, Bar-Jesus is also Elamus, he withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? Let's just sidebar for a moment. That wasn't real politically correct, was it? That wasn't real uh, seeker friendly. And yet, nonetheless, God was using him in a powerful way. He said, you son of the devil. And he said, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord. And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Oh God, we pray for the next few moments you would open up our hearts and our minds, help us to be intent to learn and grow and then help us to be hearers and doers of your word, dear Jesus. That we would not only learn it, but that we would live it, we pray. So that we would live pleasing to you and you would do great things through our lives for your glory. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. This is a powerful story that sometimes we gloss over in reading. And yet, it's something that's significant because we've been looking at, of course, the lives that have been 
transformed with God's love, his grace, his forgiveness. And aren't you glad that we're saved and forgiven? Amen. doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. God loves you. And if you're here this morning and maybe you don't know Jesus, he loves you. He wants a relationship with you and he's got a great plan for your life. And yet we also need to understand that God is a just God, isn't he? He's a righteous God. You know, he is a God of love. And the Bible says in in Peter, he would that none would perish. His desire, his preference would be for everyone to come to know him because he doesn't want to judge people. But because he's a just God, just like uh, a a judge sitting in the courtroom, he has a job to do. There is right and wrong. There is good and bad. And so he is just and there is a consequence for actions. And we find that here in this story. So, point number one this morning. We are directed and protected by the Holy Spirit. Let me explain that. Paul and Barnabas have been designated by the Holy Spirit for an evangelistic work. If you look at the first part of this chapter, it says that the Lord set them aside. He had a specific plan and purpose for Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas' name basically being a son of encouragement. He was an encourager. We could take a quick sidebar on that. Uh, aren't you glad to be around people that are always encouraging and lifting you up? You know, we want to be around those kind of people. And yet sometimes uh, uh, we get around people and they just suck the life out of you. You know, they're always down, always depressed, never have the victory. That's going to happen to everybody from time to time. But let's try to be people who lift others up and not tear them down. As God encourages us, he wants to flow through us as his vessel to encourage others. So I love Barnabas' name. And it was Paul, Barnabas, and John. And they have been directed by the Holy Spirit to do a specific work, an evangelistic work, and to start on these missionary journeys. Anybody have the Bible where on the back it shows the little map, Paul's first missionary journey, Paul's second missionary journey. There was three of them. And this was the initiation or the commencement of the first missionary journey. So he's leaving and he's going out to the region that were controlled by Roman colonies. And he's preaching not only to Jews, but to Gentiles. So they have been directed. And when God directs you and calls you, how many know that he protects you as well? Amen? Uh, If you ever want to wonder about, you know, protection, I mean, just look at Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is that fantastic psalm that says we're in the shelter of his wing he's our mighty fortress we're, we're in his care and doesn't matter how many fall on your left or your right god has his hand upon you he's our protector and he also directs us this is what second thessalonians 3 3 says but the lord is faithful he will establish you and guard you against the evil one aren't you happy about that that we don't have to fear god establishes us and he guards us he protects us He's our protector and our provider, and he directs our every path. Um, It's interesting, now we have Google Maps. And you don't have to ever get lost again if you only use Google Maps. Anybody use that app on your phone? I tell you, when I'm moving to a new place, I'm using that app, you know, less now. But the first couple weeks we were here, all right, let's Google Map to get to Walmart. You know, it might even be five minutes away, but let's make sure we don't get lost. Now we know where we're going. We're getting the roads down get in the lay of the land. We're understanding, you know, Prince George is not a very big town, and thankfully things are pretty nicely laid out. So, uh, but when you are, are new to an area, you use Google Maps. And uh, it's interesting, my friend and I, he was from Birmingham, England. His name was Steve McGrady. 
pastor friend and I, we, and we worked together for a couple years, uh, about a year and a half, and we went to a men's conference. And uh, I'm not sure if I've shared this story or not, but if you don't have a good sense of direction, you can get way lost. And so we went to the Tri-Cities, which uh, in the U.S. and Washington, that's Richland and Pasco and Kennewick. They call it the Tri-Cities. In the middle of the state, very hot, very dry, just like our Okanagan here, Penticton, Kamloops, that kind of weather. And so we would go there every year with our men. Went to a big church, Pasco Faith Assembly. It sat about 1,000 people, and so we could fill that place up with men from all around the district. And we had a great conference but afterwards, when we were leaving to go back to Wenatchee, and it was about two hours away, Steve and I uh, were a couple of preachers, so we have the gift of gab, and we got lost in conversation. And we're just talking away, and we didn't have Google Maps then. I don't think we even had a map of any kind, paper or otherwise. And we were talking, thinking that we knew which way to go, and pretty soon we realized, you know, where are we? We've kind of gotten off on some weird small little highway i don't know where we are and it's very desert very barren and we drove a little while longer and all of a sudden we looked up and there's this massive nuclear plant and we wound up at hanford nuclear plant now that's not a place you want to hang out with too long you get away from there as soon as you can you know i we don't want any radiation you know my body's bad enough as it is i don't want anything else happening to me you know so we soon got out of there and it's the problem if you're not paying attention if you're not watching what you're doing you can get off track pretty easy and that's of course a lesson for us as christians god directs us every day how does he direct us through his word and by the voice of his holy spirit amen but are we reading learning and living and are we listening to the still small voice of the holy spirit he is guiding and directing in fact jesus told the disciples in the book of john he will guide you in all truth but it's up to us to listen and then to obey. Well, Paul and Barnabas, they listened and they obeyed. The Lord directed them, and when he tells you to do something, he protects you and he equips you, so his hand was upon them. Now, number two this morning is this. We will encounter opposition. Stand firm in faith and truth. Faith and truth. Those are two key components here. Paul, Barnabas, and John had a divine appointment to witness the gospel to the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. What is a proconsul? Well, basically, it's a governor of a region, a Roman province. It would be kind of like, if you will, uh, you know, our premier, right? It'd be like a premier. So he was the governor of a province. And Rome was the dominant power. It was the power in place. So they had all these colonies. Everybody had to pay taxes, had to pay tribute to Rome, to Caesar. And, uh, and Sergius Paulus, he was an intelligent man. He said, hey, I want to hear what these guys have to say. And you know, when God is up to something, how many know that there is a spiritual battle going on? Amen? The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's what we see standing in front of us. But we wrestle against powers and principalities. There really is a warfare going on. And don't fear, we're on the winning side. Amen? Greater is he that is in you, the word tells us in 1 John, than he that is in the world. We have the Holy Spirit within us. We have authority through Jesus' name. But we need to be aware that it is occurring. And so when you're trying to do something for God, the enemy doesn't just sit back and let it happen. He's trying to intervene. He's trying to thwart that plan. And sure enough, there was opposition here. So a Jewish false prophet 
a demonic sorcerer named Bar-Jesus, also called Elamus, tried to thwart their plans, tried to detour them from being able to share the gospel because he wanted to have control over this. You see, if the enemy gets control over leadership, then he can have a greater influence. And Sergius Paulus was the proconsul. He was the governor, and certainly the devil wanted to have control of him, but God had other plans. Now let's take a look at this sorcerer for a moment. We're going to get into this just a little bit. Sundays, it's always a balance. I want to give enough meat for those who know the Lord, but I also want to make it palatable and understandable for the newer converts or the pre-believer. So I hope we strike that right balance. But we're going to get a little bit deeper here and talk a little bit about this. This bar Jesus, this sorcerer. Notice that this tool of the enemy was not a Roman, he was a Jew. And by a Jew, he was a false prophet. So somebody like Sergius, who was a Gentile, would look at this person and could be easily swayed because, well, this is a Jewish man. He knows the law. He must be telling the truth. And all the while, he's a false prophet like a, sh- a wolf in sheep's clothing. How many know that we have some of those around here today? Amen? Many false prophets, many false teachings, many false ideologies. And in fact, this is what the Bible warned us would happen. And uh, uh, today in our world, we have all kinds of false prophets and teachers. Paul warned Timothy, they will have a form of godliness, but they deny the power therein. In other words, it looks and sounds good, but if it goes against God's word and starts to contradict the Bible, it is not of God. Amen? Everything has to be held up to the litmus test. You can't be 90% but 10% different. It needs to be 100% Bible. 100% word. If you believe that, say amen. That's how we know in these last days, because it can be very deceptive. In fact, the word says that even some of the elect, or some that are Christians and should know better, will be deceived in the last days. And in Timothy, we see these things being talked about. Anything that contradicts God's word is not of God. His word never changes. If you believe that, say amen. I'm so happy that we have a constant. We have a rock that we build on. Jesus Christ is our, our, our cornerstone, and he's our sure foundation. And so when we build our lives on the truth of his word, we're going to stand because it's his power working through us, and we're building our lives on truth. So we encounter this opposition, stand firm in the faith and in truth. Everybody say those two words, faith and truth. Here we go, one, two, three. Faith and truth. See, you can believe, but if it's not truth, it's worthless. Or you can know the truth, but if you don't believe it, it's not going to help you. You have to stand firm in faith and truth. And that's exactly what Paul and Barnabas did. So that leads us to number three. We will experience spiritual victory after the fight. Spiritual victory. And uh, I've got a story to talk about this. You know, it's, it's interesting. When I was growing up, I have an older brother and a younger brother. My older brother, his name is Greg, and he's three and a half years older. And my younger brother's Paul, and he's about seven years younger. But when we were growing up, we used to have wrestling matches downstairs in the family room. Anybody ever have wrestling matches with your siblings? They're great. You know, they're lots of fun. The only problem was, because my brother was older and bigger than me at the time, uh, it usually ended up in one of two ways. Either he would get too rough with me, because I'd be like seven and he'd be ten and a half or something, and so we'd be wrestling and fighting, and he would get too rough and I'd wind up crying, Or, every once in a while, I would hurt him, 
and get the upper hand, and then he'd get really mad, and then he would pound me, and I'd wind up crying. Most of the time, I wound up in tears. It was a no-win situation. And uh, this was, however, the good thing is, at a certain point in high school, I outgrew my brother, and I got bigger than him. And, And so there was victory in the end because he couldn't hurt me anymore. I could take him. However, our youngest brother got bigger than all of us. He's 6'4", and he's a double Dan black belt in Taekwondo, so neither of us mess with him now. We just kind of leave him be and let him do his thing. Even if he's wrong, just tell him he's right, and then it just keeps the peace. Now, we all love each other. We get along well. But the reality is, in life, we have challenges. But there's a spiritual dynamic going on before that. I've quoted to you Ephesians chapter 6. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That might be your boss standing in front of you that's just tearing you down. It might be a neighbor that is really causing you problems. It might be a situation, but there's a spiritual dynamic behind the scenes. And so we're called to put on the armor of God as described in Ephesians 6 so that we can stand, fight, and win. We don't have the armor of God just as a defensive uh, posture, just so we can stand. God wants us to invade the darkness and win battles for the glory of God. Amen? He's called to be overcomers. We are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. Right? And we're on the winning side. And so these are the elements. These are the parts of the armor of God. You know them if you grew up in Sunday school, and if you didn't, then you can learn them right now. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is what? the Word of God. And we forget this sometimes, and pray always, it says. That's like the extra little ingredient. So you have all this armor. We, we know that we're saved. First of all, don't try to do any spiritual warfare if you're not saved. You need to have Jesus in your life and the Holy Spirit living in you. So the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, we're clothed in His righteousness. He forgives us. And, and He uh, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But then we're also called to live righteous. The shoes of peace, right? Uh, uh, The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All of these things, God wants us to be prayed up, powered up, and ready to stand, fight, and win. And we don't win. God is the one who gives us the victory. Uh, The children of Israel, let's just examine that for a moment. In the Old Testament, they had to fight all these battles. And they were outnumbered, outgunned, outmanned. You have this small Israeli people group coming in and there's all these enemy nations that were involved in all kinds of awful lifestyle practices pagan idolatry sacrificing their children in the fire just horrible things and god says i want to give you this land and i'm going to have you go and battle them and i'm going to give you the victory i want you to win because i want to establish a place where people will honor me and live righteously however they didn't win the fight on their own it was god going before them and i'll give you the scriptural evidence 1 Samuel 17, 47, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword or spear. See, it's not the battle of flesh and blood, but the battle is the Lord's. He will give them into your hand. That's what he told Samuel. That's what he told the children of Israel, and they won. The Lord gained the victory. Zechariah 4, 6, you know this one. Not by might, not by man's power, but by what? By my spirit, says the Lord. So how do we access that power? when we pray, when we pray in faith believing, right? Faith and truth. And we get on our knees and say, Lord, I need your help. God, I can't do it on my own. I'm limited, 
miracle. Your ability is unlimited. I'm finite. You are infinite. You are all-powerful God. So whether it's a situation at home, maybe with a son or daughter that's not serving the Lord and, and you know that the enemy is warring for their souls, continue through intercessory prayer. I want to believe that the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. Amen? We have to remind ourselves of those promises. That's James. Continue to pray for them. Maybe it's a situation at work and your job is in jeopardy or there's stress and there's tension and there's calamity. Pray that God would melt hearts, that he would change minds, that he would intervene. There's power through prayer intercessory prayer it's not by man's might it's not by man's power it's by my spirit says the lord we forget that how much do we really pray and i'm talking to the christians now the, to the church i mean hey i've been born and raised in the church and i backslid for a little while and i came back yes but i mean i'm third generation pentecostal pastor and yet i will admit to you i don't pray as much as i should yes i pray every day but sometimes it's not near long enough and it's not de near deep enough. Even at my age and being a pastor, I want to continue to grow deeper and I want to have stronger prayer times. It's my personal goal and that will continue to be my goal. I want it to grow and deepen and get more powerful and meaningful until the day I die. And we just don't pray enough, do we? Five minutes, 10 minutes, maybe 15 or 20 if you're really feeling spiritual. And then it's on the next. But we'll watch a ball game for three hours. Hey, I love the NFL football. I can't wait for Seahawks season to start. I am a Seahawk fan. You're going to know that. And if you don't know that, now you do, right? And yes, I like the Canucks. And yes, I like hockey. But you know what? I I'm an NFL guy. That's my favorite sport to watch. And so I I'm geared up for that. And, you know, games go for three hours. And yet, you know, sometimes we struggle to pray for 10, 15 minutes. So something's not quite right here. The neat thing is we can keep an attitude of prayer and keep the line of communication open all day long. Isn't that awesome? It doesn't have to be, okay, well, I watched a one-hour program, so I need at least an hour here before I can get up. No, I don't know what your morning routine is. Pray, start the day, but then continue to talk to the Lord all throughout the day. You don't have to turn the CB radio off. You keep that CB on. He can talk to you, and you talk to him, and keep that one-on-one -on -one communication flowing. Isn't that awesome? That's why we can, the Bible says to pray always. We can stay in that attitude of prayer throughout the course of our day. And he listens and he hears. And there's power through prayer, intercessory prayer. So put on the full armor of God. Stand firm in the faith and truth of God's word and fight the good fight. God gives us the victory. Can we all stand this morning? Let's all stand. And Lisa, if you could come and I'll join you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes just as we respond this morning to what the Holy Spirit is telling us. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here with nobody looking around, but we're just taking a moment here to search our hearts. If you're here and you say, Scott, would you just pray for me? God has been calling me to do something. And I know he wants a deeper relationship. I know he wants me to have more meaningful time in prayer. Because he loves me and he loves to hear from his children. As we pray, he reveals his truth to us. He gives us instructions. He gives us 
wisdom and direction. As we pray, He answers those intercessory prayers for those in need. He responds and lives are changed. There's power and anointing through prayer. And just like Paul and Barnabas were willing to stand firm in the faith, sometimes maybe we don't take that stand like we should and trust the Lord to work through us. So if something this morning has spoken to your heart and you would say, Pastor Scott, would you pray for me? I just want to surrender that. I want God to work in my life. Slip up your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. Just slip it up. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise your name. Oh, he has great plans for his people. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you. He wants to guide and direct your life. And as we surrender all to him, give him our all. He will do just that. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you right now, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you for your love and your patience with us, God. You know the plans that you have, even when we don't. And Jesus, you know also when we need to turn those corners and surrender those things to you. So right now, we surrender all to you. We give it all to you, dear Jesus. Lord, our fears, our concerns, our inhibitions, maybe it's a secret sin, maybe it's a lifestyle, maybe something you're saying or doing, Whatever it is, we surrender it all to you, Jesus. Cleanse us through grace and forgiveness. Empower us, dear Lord. Give us a fresh new anointing, dear Jesus, we pray, your spirit. Lord, help us to not just try to find time to spend time with you, but to make time to establish and prioritize our daily devotional time with you, Lord. And then let us walk and talk with you all throughout our day. Thank you that you hear us. Thank you that you are with us. You never leave or forsake us. So, Lord, just use our lives in wonderful ways to minister to others. Help us to be salt and light in a dark world, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.